Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. We just want to still our hearts and we ask that you would speak to us and change us, transform us. By your spirit and your word, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. We're in the series right now called Clearing Up the Confusion. And today, man, what a subject. Why am I having so many problems? <laughs> I found for me, whenever I start to prepare for a message, whatever the message is, I get to own the week before. <laughs> so you don't even want to ask me what my week's been like. <laughs> a lot of people wonder, though, when problems come into their lives, why am I having something? God, do you even love me anymore? Why is this happening to me? Is he mad at me? Is God mad? Is that why I'm having so many issues and difficulties? I mean, am I even a Christian anymore? Now, one of the most helpful verses in the Bible on this is a very short passage in the book of James. James is kind of like the book of Proverbs in the New Testament. Exceedingly practical. I love it. And especially, remember, it was written by the brother of Jesus. The half-brother of Jesus, James. Very short passage. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to pull them out. Now, I'm going to read from the Phillips translation, which is one of a number of translations. But I'm just going to kick, kick it off from chapter 1, verse 2. When all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as Friends? As friends. He doesn't say question mark. He exclaims. But you say, James, hold on, mate. You don't understand my problems. Do you know about my situation? Here he's seeming to say, if you've got problems, you need to learn to be happy. Well, hold on, that, that's giving me a headache. How can that possibly be the case? The key word is realized. We're going to look at this. Here's a sermon in a sentence today. Your success at handling problems will be in proportion to how well you understand them and your attitude towards them and how well you choose to respond to them. Now, there are four facts about problems that you need to realize, and they're all here in this passage. The first one, realize this. Pro problems are inevitable. Notice this is when all kinds of trials, not if. It's when. See, Jesus also, of course, said this in many places. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. In fact, he said this. I have said these things. You'll find this verse in John 16, He said, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have, I love this, peace. In me, you have peace. Let me say it one more time. In me, you'll have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Get it? There's a dichotomy going on here. In me, you'll have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. I love this part. But take heart. Some versions say, but be of good cheer. Cheer up. For why? I have overcome the world. Ha, now I'm feeling better. My outlook has improved. Now, Problems, friends, are not... My son's just completing his double degree. And as part of that course, he has to take an elective. 
That's something that you choose. Well, actually, I want to say this to you. Problems are not an elective course in the school of life. They're compulsory. Nobody is immune. Nobody's isolated. Nobody has a free ride. Friends, problems are inevitable. Jesus said it. James said it. And you know it. And it's not if, but it's when the trials come. So that's a given. Two, problems are variable. Notice he says all kinds. All kinds of trials. All kinds of problems. There are lots of different kinds. Kind of like this week when I read there are over, because I have a personal interest in this, over 2,000 kinds of weeds in New Zealand. Do you know that? And 82% of them live in my garden. <laughs> now you've got the rest. Okay, right. Like weeds, problem comes in all shapes and varieties. The Greek I know you don't like that. I spent two years doing Greek. The Greek means multicolored, variable, all the colors of the spectrum, lots of different types. They vary in intensity. Some are short and sharp, some are long and kind of a low throb. So they vary in duration and difficulty. <laughs> I saw a song the other day that said, Into every life, some rain must fall, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Three, problems are unpredictable. Notice it says, when all kinds of trials crowd into your life, don't resent them. It says crowd in. They intrude. They crowd in. Do you have a problem like you're feeling like saying, not now, please. <laughs> you know, you have a flat tire when you're late for a super important appointment. Well, one of my friends once got up. I was sitting behind him. As he got up, he went to pick up some of his pants for the church, so he had to back off the platform very carefully. <laughs> or you're getting ready to go out with your husband to some special date. You kiss the baby goodbye, and she wets all over you. <laughs> Those things happen. The problem with problems is they catch you off guard. You can't predict them easily. And they often help when you're unprepared. And it's very inconvenient, I found. The Greek word for crowd in there in that verse is peripipto. It's from the same word that's used in, remember the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan story? And he fell into, as it says, he fell among robbers. It literally means fall into. He didn't get up one day and said, I think I'll go out and I'll get robbed. He didn't do that. No, it was unexpected. He fell into the robbers. The robbers fell upon him. That's what the Bible is saying. Problems are, number one, they're inevitable. Number two, they are variable. And number three, they are unpredictable. So you can't anticipate them as much as we try. Fourth and finally, problems, friends, are purposeful. They have a purpose. This is where we get to the, sh the business end of the deal. Notice it says they come they come. What come? Mikey, what are coming? The problems, right? What do they come? To produce in you. Did you get that? Problems come to produce in you. Problems can be productive. Notice, straight from Scripture, productive, produce in you. Your problems can have value, the Scriptures are saying, right there. Look at it. 
James tells us there are at least three purposes for your problems. First one, problems can produce and come to test my faith. Would you write that in? Problems come to test my faith. It says realize that they come to test your faith. The word is a refining and when you take silver or gold, you know what it goes? You heat it up real hot and it melts into liquid. And then what comes to the top? We call that dross. And to get it purer, you crank it up, you skim off the dross. And then you crank it up again and you skim off the dross. And each time it gets more and more refined. And that's what God does in our lives through problems which we often feel like resenting. Have you ever been under the heat? Felt like God was testing your faith? The classic example of that, of course, is Job. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. He lost his family. He lost his business. He lost his friends. He lost his home. He lost his wealth and health. He lost everything except a nagging wife. That was the biggest test. Because his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Whoa. God allowed his faith to be tested by problems. Some people are like tea bags, you see. You don't know what's inside them until you put them in the hot water. Then you'll see what comes out. What flavor. When you're in hot water, what's really inside comes out. Have you ever had your faith tested by problems? You know, it's one of those days. Actually, one of those weeks, really, this last week. Actually, what a month. Actually, what a year. Actually, what a life. Issues. See, faith develops when things don't go as planned. What does it take you to throw you off? To get you into a tizzy where you're losing the plot. Your piece is upset. <gasps> Somebody dinged in my car. At the supermarket. First world problems. Relax. Relax. It's easy to have faith when things are going well. Going sweet. But James says one of the purposes of the problems in your life is first, they realize they can come to test your faith. Second, this is a very important one. Problems come develop my endurance they come to test your faith and the Bible says right there to produce in you oh I love this the quality of endurance parents listen to this for you, for your children grandparents listen to this verse when the problems come they come to produce in you the quality of endurance the problem the result of problems in your life 
is staying power. The ability to keep on keeping on. The Greek word there again is the ability to handle pressure. Now, how does God teach you how to handle pressure? Let me tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't teach it to you in a book. It's like you can read all about swimming. And swimming, let me choose 400 meters. 400 meter free. You can read all you want about it. And you can understand about what people think. When they're swimming down that 400 meters and their lungs are bursting. Screaming for air as they're smashing their body, as they kick over from anaerobic to aerobic, it hurts. But you don't know that reading a book, you've got to get in the pool, the gun's got to go, and you've got to go. Then you will know. You learn endurance by having to endure. You can't learn it any other way. Has anybody in this room competed in a hard like race or a triathlon? Can I see hands? Okay, really hard one, yeah. How do you prepare for a, tri for a triathlon? You train. I once tried to do one with minimal training. I felt like doing something dramatic, like screaming on the ground, heart attack! It was painful! Second time I did it, I actually trained. The way you learn endurance is you have to endure something. And God wants you to learn endurance, so he's going to let you endure some problems in your life. So you are not a Mary Tetow Christian, a fair-weather Christian. Now, problems produce endurance, and that's what James said 2,000 years ago. And I wonder what this says sometimes about our modern love for the love of ease and our romance with convenience. You see, there are people that sometimes don't even show up for church because it's inconvenient to come to church or to share their faith. They want to be comfortable. They want everything to be convenient. And if it's not convenient, forget it. And a typical goal that I've noticed many people have is to be comfortable and convenient and to have it easy. He's saying here that problems come into your life not only to test your faith but to develop your endurance. They stretch you like a muscle. And what problem now is stretching you? Have you ever possibly thought that God is using it to develop your faith and your endurance? Because that's exactly what the scriptures say. Number three, problems mature my character. This is great. The rest of the Phillips translation says this. Let the process, let the process go on until you become men of mature character and integrity with no weak spots. You know what? I'd like to be a man with no weak spots. He's saying that God wants to use problems to build mature character in your life. And that is the goal. Christ-like character. Under tremendous difficulty, Christ endured. And God's number one purpose in your life is to build Christ-like character. To make you like Jesus. He wants you to think like Jesus. Be transformed by the reading of your mind. He wants you to speak like Jesus. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only that's good for the building up of others. He wants you to act like Jesus. Not retaliate at work when some jerk at work plants one on you. 
He wants you to sense and feel like Jesus. So the things that are passionate for his heart. That's why he says, let us make man in our image. He doesn't want you to make you a God. He does want you to make you godly. So God uses two things to make you like Jesus predominantly. Number one, he uses the word of God. As you read and study the Bible, as you fill your mind with it, be transformed again by the renewing of your mind. And the more you read about Jesus, the more you become like him. Look, whomever you spend time with who is whom you're going to become like. And that's one way God uses to make us like himself, the word. The second angle he uses is he uses circumstances. He uses problems. He uses difficulties. And, and he uses pressure and stress and all the events in your life to mold you and to change you. Now, if his goal is to make you like himself, he wants to teach you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what a perfectly formed character of Christ looks like. So, if that's the case, he's got at least these two ways, the word of God or circumstances. Now, here's an interesting thought. What way does God use the most? Circumstances. Even if you read the Bible one hour a day, how many hours left do you have to be molded by circumstances? Huh? To have your character shaped. See, God uses problems to develop us. How does God teach you and I patience? By putting us with irritating people, right? Whom you want to wring thy neck very quickly. How do you learn peace? Well, it's not sitting out in your boat fishing for snapper in the gulf. <laughs> you learn about the real peace that God brings when you find yourself in the middle of an office of total chaos. In the home, and the phone rings, and the baby starts crying, and somebody's at the door, and the beans boil over, and at the same time, the cat, that the dog bites the cat. Everything's going chaotic. You learn inner peace in the midst of chaos. And God says, I use these problems in your life to test your faith, to develop endurance, and to mature your character. So how do we respond to these problems? Three ways. God says, you need to do these three things because problems don't automatically help you grow. Let me say that again. Problems do not automatically help you grow They'll only help you grow if you respond to them in the correct manner, in the biblical manner, in the godly manner, in the Christ-like manner. How are they? Number one, you rejoice. You rejoice. That's what the Bible says in our translation. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Now, please do not misunderstand it. Some people, some Christians, completely misquote this and pull it out of context. He is not saying, fake it till you make it. He is not saying pretend you don't have any problems and put it on a phony smile and saying everything's wonderful when it's not. That is disingenuous. That is inauthentic. That is not ever what God says to do. God never will ask you to deny reality and say everything's wonderful 
I'm going bankrupt, my mate has left me, and my kids are on drugs. And that's not what he's saying. Those things are not good. He's not saying rejoice for those things at all. He's saying you can, though, learn to rejoice in those things. He is not saying fake it and be a masochist, bring on the problems. That's stupid. That's crazy. Those who trust in God ought to exhibit a dramatically different positive response to the difficult events of life. He's saying rejoice in the problem, we don't rejoice for the problem. So how can we be happy in the problem? Because we know that God has a purpose and a plan. He's testing my faith. He's developing my endurance. And he's maturing my character. Do you know what? Even the bad things that other people plan. Classic example of that would be who in the Old Testament. When he says, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Yes, Mr. Joseph. See, here's the reason why this is important, to learn to rejoice in the problem. If you are only happy when you don't have any problems, you'll never be happy. You must learn to be how to be happy in the problems because you'll always have problems. They are part of life. They're inevitable, they, they are variable, and they're unpredictable, but they are purposeful. So he therefore says, rejoice. Why rejoice? Notice it says next, Consider, consider, think about this, consider, circle that word. Consider means to deliberately make up your mind. It's a choice. I'm not going to let that problem overwhelm me, but I'm going to focus on God's presence and his purpose through these problems. It's your choice to rejoice. Problems in life are inevitable. Misery is optional. Let me say it again. Problems in life, problems in life are inevitable, but misery is optional. You cannot stop problems coming into your life, but it is your choice to rejoice. It's how you consider it, as the scriptures say. Psalm 34, verse 1. A great verse. It says, I will bless the Lord. It's not when I feel like it, I will. It's a choice. At all times, his praise will be continually on my mind. See, it doesn't matter what happens to me. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Stuff around me can go to hell in a handbasket, but God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That doesn't change. That truth will never change. That's why we hang on to that. So it's your choice to rejoice. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continually in my mouth. And when he says, I will notice it's a choice. I will. No matter what's happening to me, then that's what it means to rejoice. So how should, should I respond to the problem? Number one, it's your choice to rejoice. And number two, request. The second thing you do when you're going through problems is you request. You pray about your problem and you say, God, would you give me wisdom? The Bible says, if in the process any of you doesn't know how to meet any particular problem, you will only have to ask God, who gives generously without making them feel guilty. 
Another version says, uh, without finding faults. In other words, God doesn't get sick of you asking him for wisdom. You can go there all the time. And you may be sure that the necessary wisdom will be given to you. So when you're going through a problem, don't say, Lord, this is the wrong, this is the wrong question. Lord, why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing this in my life? What you do say is, Lord, what do you want me to learn? What do you want to teach me through this? Because you know from what we've just read in many of the scriptures that he's testing your faith, he's developing endurance, and he's maturing your character. Lord, what do you want to teach me? Now, I am not saying it doesn't hurt, but I am saying, as a Christian, it will not devastate you. Number three, the third way to response is relax. You trust God to know what's best, even, and you don't doubt. You cooperate with his plan. And you say, God, I'm, I'm not going to doubt what you're doing here. I don't know why it's happening to me. But I do know you've allowed it, just like you allowed problems in Job's life. So I trust you in and through my difficulty. And this week it reminded me, I dug back through my archives, and I found a story of Wallace Johnson, who's a very famous builder. You may have heard of a little hotel chain called Holiday Inn. Anybody heard of that? Okay, that guy was a Christian. And he built him all over the world. He's a dynamic Christian. And by the way, I got his exact words, the quotation from when he went through what he thought was the worst problem of his life. He says this, and I quote, When I was 40 years old, I worked in a sawmill. And one morning the boss called me in and told me, You are fired. You're out of here. Depressed and discouraged, I felt like the world had caved in on me. It was during the Depression, and my wife and I greatly needed the small wages that I was being paid there at the sawmill. When I went home to tell my wife what had happened, she said, what are you going to do now? He replied, I'm going to mortgage our home and go into the building business. My first venture was a construction of two small buildings, and within five years, I was a multimillionaire. Today, if I could locate the man who fired me, I would sincerely thank him for what he did. The greatest thing that ever happened to me, uh, him, was to get fired. Now at the time, he says, I didn't understand why I was fired. Later, I saw that God's unerring and wondrous plan to get me into the ways of his choosing. Many of you can give testimony of that. What looked for bad, God used for good. So he's saying, relax. Remember I'm sovereign. If you've got problems, don't think of them as intruders. That's what the scripture said up the top. God's purpose is bigger than your problems, so don't doubt. Now the Bible says in verse 8, you ask for wisdom, but you must ask in sincere faith without secret doubts. Don't doubt that God is wanting to work in and through you. He hasn't left you, he's still with you, and he's helping you grow. Now, earlier when I said that all kinds of problems are variable, that phrase, all kinds, is the same word, all kinds, in the Greek used in another place in the Bible, actually in 1 Peter 4.4, 4, and it says God has many kinds or all kinds of grace. So just like there are all kinds of problems, God has all kinds of grace to help you through, and that's great news. So you relax and you trust God, and you believe he'll help you out. 
Now, there are some people in this church today who are going to be in God's hall of faith because you have endured incredible problems, incredible pain, rejection, and suffering. And in spite of all that, you have managed to maintain a Christ-like attitude and a Christ-like spirit. You've let the Lord work in your life and grow you. And instead of making you bitter, the Lord has made you better. And I admire you for that. You've maintained a Christ-like spirit in spite of pressure. So let me sum up this message in this passage. This passage says you are going to have problems. It is inevitable in this world. But remember what Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he also says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Second, there's no such thing as a problem-free life. And when problem come, problems come, they can be sure of two things. Number one, and I don't use this word much because I don't want to give much credit, but the devil can you try and use them sometimes to discourage and to devastate you. He doesn't like you, but God wants to develop you through them. Now, problems do not automatically make you a better person. You can either rejoice and request and relax, or the alternative is you can resent it, you can rebel, and you can resist. One will make you bitter, and the other one will make you better. James 1.12, look at the result of the problems in your life. Blessed, happy is the man who perseveres under trial. In other words, keeps on keeping on. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Are you going to get one of those crowns in heaven? Because you hung in there and you did not give up. What is it that when you're tempted to give up on, that you know God doesn't want you to give up on. Is there something in your life now that you're being pushed and tested on, but you know you're not supposed to give up on it? Friends, he wants to stretch your faith. He wants to uh, develop endurance and build your character. First verse, one more time. When all kinds of trials crowd in your lives, don't resent them as intruders. But, Welcome them as friends. Realize they come to test your faith and produce in you the quality of endurance. Let that process go on until the endurance is fully developed and you will become a person of mature character, integrity, and no weak spots. That's what God wants for you, and that's what I want for you. I want to be a person of mature character and integrity with no weak spots. So I challenge you to do two things. Whatever problem is going on in your life right now, ask God's wisdom to understand that problem. Because the more you understand what God's doing, the less overwhelmed you are by it. Ask for God's wisdom. Ask God for the faith to endure it. And then lastly, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Don't give up. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? I don't know what problems you're going through now. 
but God does. Maybe there have been some really selfish people, hurtful people in your life. And that's causing some problems. Or some problems that you flat out brought on yourself. Or some problems because the devil's trying to attack you. Friends, it really doesn't matter, the source. The fact is, God says, I can even use bad things that other people bring into your life and you bring on yourself for good if you give them to me. Would you say, Lord, I really want you to develop my faith. Would you use this situation to help me trust you more? To be more committed to you? Would you let this problem deepen my commitment to you and my faith in you? God, Holy Spirit, strengthen me and develop my endurance. The way you learn to handle pressure is to be under pressure. Would you pray, God, strengthen me? Instead of praying for an easy life, pray for strength. Then your problems will mature your character. Would you say, God, I want to be that person? I want to have that mature character, the integrity with no weak spots. I want you to make me Holy Spirit like Jesus. Lord, I'm going to make some choices. I'm going to read your word and I'm going to choose to rejoice. Not for the situation, but in the situation. Knowing that you have a purpose and you can bring good even out of a tight spot. I'm going to ask you to give me wisdom and I thank you that you're generous. Father, you never make us feel guilty for asking for wisdom, but you give us what we need. And Lord, to be honest, I need to relax. I want to ask in sincere faith and not doubt. I want to put my trust in you. If you've never done that before today, put your trust in Jesus. Would you open your life to Jesus Christ? Would you do that? You may say, but Ian, I'm, I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. The fact is, God brought you here today for a purpose. Regardless of your circumstances, he loves you. That's a fact. And he wants you to say, uh, say to you, you matter to me. Before you were even born, I knew you. Would you say, Jesus Christ, if you were there, if you are really real, would you say this, I want to know you. I ask you to make yourself real to me. And I want to follow you as best as I know how. Father, thank you for your word, which is eternal and unchanging. Thank you that it gives us comfort, encouragement, and strength. And we need all of that and your spirit to live for you. In Jesus' name, all the people said, Amen.